just very quickly to try and bring you into where we are. We're looking at this series of being with, and we're looking at this series of being with as a result of the idea that God decided to live for 33 years among us, and in 30 of those 33 years, he did nothing for anybody, and he didn't work with anybody. He just was with. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We have been looking at Emmanuel, God is with us. We've been looking at this incarnation of Jesus and how that is a model for us to also be uh, incarnational. We have been looking at the options. We can be four people. We can be four people without even knowing who they are or even speaking to them. Not God's way. God was not being for us. God was with us. Yes, he worked with us, and yes, he continues to work with us, and yes, we will continue to work with, but being with seems to be a biblical mandate and call. We've got it wrong in our society, we're saying, because the survival of the fittest says we need to fix the next problem, we need to sort the next thing out, we need to build the next bridge, we need the next cure for cancer, or whatever it is, much as those things might be good, as long as they don't damage the environment. And that's the killer, isn't it? Because as we live with that survival of the fittest lie, we actually somehow shoot ourselves in the foot by the damage we're doing to the creation around us. If we find ourselves not living with the Darwinian survival of the fittest, but in the model of God as Lord and Creator and us as part of His creation, then perhaps we live with, perhaps we have a different approach to how we see ourselves in the world. And that actually the biggest curse in our society today is not our limitations, but our isolation, our alienation, our isolation, our loneliness. And we've lost that in trying to get above all of our limits. And in fact, reaching for survival of the fittest leaves people lonely, alienated, because the survival of the fittest says, I want them to go because if they go, then I survive. So we look at a new model, the Jesus model, the gospel model, and we find ourselves thinking about that. That's where being with the other comes in today. Two phrases from the Four Corners Festival over the last number of years that have really uh, been taken up, and were taken up probably by Father Martin more than they were taken up by me, but his evangelism and his going on and on about them has them indelibly marked now in my life. When the um, uh, New Irish um, went to Clonard a number of years ago to look at the First World War, that's what Four Corners does. It takes an evangelical Protestant following movement of New Irish, it puts them on the Falls Road in Clonard Monastery, and then when we get to Clonard Monastery, we look at the First World War, which is not looked at that much on the Falls Road most days of the year. That's what we try to do. We try to shift things and be subversive with things and try to find locations and connections that help. In that particular performance, the words hatred is compromised by friendship came through. Hatred is compromised by friendship. We have a lot of hatred in our country at the moment. We have a lot of hatred in our world. We have a lot of hatred, it seems, going on at Westminster. But hatred is compromised by friendship. At least sometimes you hope it will be. 
The other phrase that came across this last year when we were at Skenos for the first event, apologies to those who didn't get in because there was such a crowd that night, um, Tim Mayers, who probably, and I know this is streaming, so I have to be careful, but probably will be the chief of police in the next five to 10 years. When he was a student in Deravolgi, I never even imagined. But uh, he responded last year at Skenos, just after a murder had taken place maybe 100 yards away from the building that we were in. He responded to Father Greg Boyle talking about uh, the compassion of kinship. And uh, Tim said during his address, you cannot demonize someone that you know. You cannot demonize someone that you know. Hatred is compromised by friendship and you cannot demonize someone that you know. Do you see where we're coming to here? We need to be with people and we need to be with the other. There's no point in being for peace without being involved in peacemaking. And peacemaking, as Father Jerry and the Reverend Ken taught us down through the years, is a very simple process of friendship and transformation. Transformation through friendship. Was that not the book that I read the summer before I came to Fitzroy and was petrified that I would have to take this baton on and follow in this peacemaking tradition? Friendship transforms friendship transforms. We read today, and we'll come to it in a moment, uh, from Luke 6, but the Bible, the gospel is a model of Jesus' incarnational lifestyle. Whether we go to the time he spent with a Samaritan woman, where he went through Samaria seemingly with some intent, because usually they went round Samaria to avoid being with the other, um, and instead of avoiding being with the other and going round Samaria on the trip back to Galilee, then Jesus went through Samaria. Uh, and he's got to be going through Samaria to be with the other. And then he sits down with the other, the other in gender, the other in race and politics and religion, the other mountain that they worship at, that we hear about in John chapter 4. Here is Jesus sitting down and asking the other for a drink and listening to the other and answering the other and making relationship with the other. It's his incarnational way it's the model that he leaves with us. Even within his own community, the tax collector, that was the other within the community. And let's not kid ourselves that there's Protestant and Catholic. When you go to Uganda, where the boys are from, uh, most years somebody says to me, and how many tribes do you have? Because they've got some like 52. And even last night, Trinity was sharing with us about some of the differences in how tribes get wives. And he was saying to us, he loves the Northern Ireland approach that, the, that the, the, the girl's family pays for the wedding because that's not happening in Uganda. So if you're eligible this morning, I think these boys are thinking this is the best deal that we can get, so be careful. But they, they ask you how many tribes, and I say, well, we're having enough trouble with two. Thank you very much. But even within the two tribes, there are so many differences of tribalism. And Jesus came to this tax collector, probably Jewish, but seen as a betrayer of the Jews because he was working for the Romans and he was taking money off his people to give to the Romans and he was doing all kinds of deception to do that. And Jesus comes alongside. Does Jesus, is Jesus for Zacchaeus? Well, he's not just for Zacchaeus. He comes to that tree and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down here because I'm going to be with you for dinner. Incarnational. Jesus goes for dinner with Zacchaeus. We're not told whether he preaches the gospel to Zacchaeus or not. It seems that being with Zacchaeus transforms Zacchaeus' life because it's not easy to tell somebody they're loved. It's much easier to show somebody they're loved and that they belong and that they're not isolated because Jesus 
incarnational model was to have dinner with Zacchaeus, or the one that you know I go on and on and on about and will always go on about because I can't get my head around it, the Roman centurion who asks Jesus to heal one of his servants, and Jesus goes to be with him. And the, the, the Roman centurion says, you don't need to, to come any further, but Jesus wants to be with him. Jesus wants to be incarnational, even with a Roman centurion, and then dares to say at the end of the being with, never have I seen faith in all of Israel. It would be like us going to the worst murderer of the troubles, perhaps, and saying as we leave in front of the general assembly, never have I seen as much faith in the whole of Israel. It boggles my mind every time I read it, this incarnational being with reaching out to the isolated ways of Jesus. But it's not just his model, it's his call upon our lives. If you were listening to what Roseanne was reading this morning, we find that Jesus says in those words in Luke chapter 6, they're challenging words, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. And then he says to them, because the truth is Fitzroy, if you look after the people that love you, what witness is that going to be across Belfast? What witness is that going to be across Ireland? What witness is that going to be across the world if you love the people that love you, if you love your own sort, if you're just with your own sort and you don't go outside your comforts as we were singing in the last song? What good's that going to be for the gospel? Oh, people will not know that you're my disciples of you. You need to get out there and love people and love people in ways that are going to have other people going, what, a Roman centurion? What, a Samaritan woman coming in the heat of the day? What, a tax collector for dinner? Those are questions that arise when we do the Jesus thing, to do good, to love, to pray, to bless those who are the other. And then just as if we might have missed it, at the end of the passage, he's back to loving your enemies again and doing good to those who hate you again, just to remind us or make sure that we circle it with a felt tip pen and don't miss it. And then he says, why do we do all this? Well, we're back to the model of God. We're back to the fact that we do it because this is the character of God. This is how God does stuff. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Incarnationally, the model of the gospel, the call of the gospel, the personality and character of Jesus leaves us without any possibility other than to love the other to love our enemies, to do good to those who hurt us, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who ill treat us. There is no other way. And I remember we used to go, um, when we went to South Africa, we used to go to Spiwo Kapili's church, and there we talked about the homeless, and we talked about people on the margins, and Spiwo always used to say, so many excuses. It's very clear in the Scripture, but we make so many excuses. And how many excuses do we make? well, what would our family think if we loved that? Or what would, what would other people think? Or what would the church think? Or what would our neighbor think if I did that? Or if I wear an interim Gaelic coat, which I happened to get one in the summer, not thinking, well, maybe thinking, and, uh, and you weren't in the wrong place and you're thinking, what are people, what, what? Let's forget all the arguments. Let's forget all the debates. Let's get down to the way that Jesus, it's not just some throwaway that Jesus gives. It's not some deluxe Christianity that Jesus gives. This is at the heart of his teaching in Luke chapter 6. It's at the heart of his teaching. It's at the heart of the model that he lives. It's at the heart of the character of God. We need to be with and to love the other. So let me confess, 
that for most of my life, I was for peace. Oh, for most of my life, I was for peace. In fact, as long back as I can remember, I was for peace because John Lennon said, give peace a chance even before I got to Jesus. Oh, I was for peace. Oh, I could tell the students about being for peace. Oh, I could tell a church, oh, you need to be for peace. But it took a long time before God grabbed me by the scruff of my collar and dragged me out of the safety of the gates of chaplaincy and threw me down into the middle of Fitzroy where there was going to be unity pilgrims coming to worship with us on a Sunday, where I was going to be asked to go and speak at the novena. How was I going to be able to do that? There's all these prayers to Mary and I still find them a real problem. I'm really sorry. But what a chance to be with. What a chance to share the scriptures. What a chance to meet people like Father Jerry. Of all the people in my life that I've met, Father, imagine missing Father Jerry because you didn't love the other, because you weren't with the other. I remember us going to Donegal for a baptism. Dodgy enough baptism in both Catholicism and Presbyterianism, but there was me and Jerry on the road doing it. And Jasmine, I don't know what age she was, but she came with us for the day and I thought, my daughter got a journey to Donegal, an afternoon in Donegal, and a journey back from Donegal with Jerry Reynolds. That's a blessing enough in our life. Imagine missing that because of some theological foible that we might have or quirk that we might have or quibble that we might have. Imagine missing it because we don't listen to the invitation that God gives us. Because this invitation of God, this model of God, this call of God, the character of God, is not so that we would resentfully love our enemy. It's that when we do, we would find enrichment and blessing and more of a fullness in who we are. Because Ubuntu says, without the other, I cannot be fully me. There's a lot of people in Northern Ireland that haven't given the chance to be fully themselves because they will not love the other. And I was one of them for a long time. And it's not easy, and I'm not going to deny that. And we've talked already about fear this morning in this service, and there is a fear. Do you remember that September that I stood up in front of you and confessed the sins of the day before? Father Martin had been asked to just attend the Sinn Féin Ardash, just attend it, just go and be. And he rang Ken for advice. And Ken gave him half good advice. Ken told him to go. That was the half good advice. Then the second half of the advice wasn't so good. He said, take Steve with you. Thank you, Ken. Um, so I had a week to think about that and a week to ponder that and a week to think, oh, goodness me, Crowley will get me on the radio and ask me if the Pope's a Christian and, and the Presbyterian Church will sack me and what about my parents? How will they feel about it? And what about my cousins that are in the band? What would they think about it? And what if the camera just panned around and caught us? I mean, the chances in the, uh, uh, the waterfront of the, of the cameras panning around and finding we, Marty and me in the crowd were not high. But in the end, I said, no, I can't go. I'm too frightened. I'm too encrusted by all the questions and excuses that we put up. And I got up in front of you the day after I turned down the invitation and I confessed that I was wrong, that I didn't follow the Jesus of the scriptures. I didn't follow his call. I didn't follow his model. I didn't follow the personality and character of God. And as John's letter just right, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive you of your sins. I was relieved in the forgiveness and I didn't read the second half. Oh, that second half of that verse. And he will purify you from all unrighteousness. Three years later, 
ring, 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 ring. Oh, hello, Declan. Yes, they are dash, isn't Derry? Yes, Martin and I would love to go. Speak at it? I wish I'd just gone the first time. <laughs> Fear? The people in my mind, as they asked before I got off the phone call? How would people think about that? But I was going to get preaching the gospel in a place that you don't normally get preaching the gospel, and I was going to be with people, but it was messy being with people. And when you walked in and you saw all the stuff that were a little counter-cultural than the way I'm used to in Ballymena, I was saying, Martin, I can't do this. I can't do this. And if you watched the video, the first paragraph, I am holding this, because basically I promised my friends, what I came off the phone and did was, I, friend, I phoned Jonathan, our old assistant, whose father was shot by the IRA. And I phoned Jonathan, I said, I've had this invite, and I want you to ask your family, and I'll not go unless I have your permission. And I phoned John Martin, one of my old interns, who lost his father before he was born in the poly bomb back uh, whatever year that was. Uh, his father never even knew that his mum was pregnant with John. And I rang John and I said, you and your mother are going to have to give me permission. And I promised both of them that if they give me permission, I would take their fathers into that Ardash, which I did in the first sentence. We're remembering people we lost tonight. I'm remembering my assistant minister. I'm remembering my former intern. And when I got there, I thought, Martin, I can't get up and say, oh, good evening, it's lovely to be here, and you killed two of my friend's fathers. But it was important to be able to be with and to share honestly and openly and to listen and to somehow make sure that I don't demonize anymore and make sure that our hatred is compromised by relationship frank conversation that I still get to have with the other. Oh, it's messy. People leave the manse and I'm going, how did they ever get to this point where that guy's coming out of here? It's messy. Zacchaeus down a tree and having dinner is messy. A Samaritan woman coming in the heat of the day is messy. A Roman centurion who's nailing people up all over and crosses all over, it's messy. Peacemaking is messy. We need to get over, over all the excuses and get back to the call of the gospel, the model of the gospel, and the character at the heart of God. There's passive peacemaking where we're for peace, and there's active peacemaking which means you go with and beyond. And Fitzroy, thank you Thank you for 36 to 40 years of being with the other. Clonard, thank you for the privilege we have of that relationship. Whether we have the Pax Christie Peace Prize in the back wall or not, and we're proud of that, thank you for that relationship. Thank you for giving us the opportunity not only to cross the boundaries into the other denomination, but onto the Falls Road. Thank you, Focolari, for the work that you do across the city in making friends. We need to be active peacemakers. We need to listen to what Ali said at the start to the children. Who is it that God would call us to be with today? Let's not be for peace. Let's be with people in the making of peace. Let me close with, I think, the best or my favorite story from Four Corners that relates to Fitzroy. We went to Clonard Monastery again to sing the songs of Christy Moore. Now, Presbyterians are not often singing the songs of Christy Moore. But we'd come to, 
I wanted to do the gospel according to Christy Murray because I thought we might get some of the Holy Land's kids in. It was completely contrived. It was a completely contrived idea. And then one night in Fitzroy, probably one of the most difficult Sunday nights in my time in Fitzroy, we had a group over from Fuller University, and I was interviewing one of them about uh, arts and theology, and he said, oh, one of our lecturers sings songs everywhere we go. And, you know, if we have a bit of African fusion, I'm the man to sing a song. So I said, tell him to come up and sing. So before I knew it, there's this man beside me in Fitzroy on a Sunday night. Now, I know it's not a church service, but it's still a Sunday night event, singing the fields of Athen Rye. And I'm going, I've only been here nine months. I might not make the year. <laughs> and yet it was during that song, it was during that song that I had this moment of enlightenment in my head. It was a song of oppression. And even though my community might have been the oppressor, I don't get a choice to decide who we support in the oppression. And suddenly I went, Fields of Athen Rye, song about oppression, Old Testament, the caps will go free. Christy Moore songs are about oppression. We could do a Christy Moore night without it being contrived. There's something in this. And we found a prayer in Christy Moore's songs. In fact, we found two, and we found a hymn that Jimmy McCarthy wrote called Bright Blue Rose. And we found all these other songs that were really, and then we did Irish Ways and Irish Laws. So we're doing this in Clonard, don't need much of a crowd when you find that Protestants are going to come and sing Christy Moore rebel songs in Clonard. There was a crowd. And Gary Bradley, who was with us at the time in Fitzroy, decided to sing, as if we haven't gone out there enough, he decides to sing a Bobby Sands song. Go on, Gary. And he sang Back Home in Derry, a Bobby Sands song. And as he was introducing it, he said, do you know, I used to sing this song in the pubs and I used to have to give it a lash, but you know, as I was listening to it this week, I really feel this is a lullaby. So I'm going to sing it much gentler tonight. He sang it. Night finished. Went backstage to have a cup of tea. And this man approached him and said, uh, sorry, your name? Gary said, I'm Gary. He said, I was in the cell beside Bobby Sands when he wrote that song. And you got it absolutely right. And Gary goes, the IRA killed my grandfather at King's Mills. And we were in a conversation. We were in a conversation. Wouldn't have happened if we hadn't sang a few songs in a strange part of town. But the being with changed relationships. That same year, a British soldier went into the home of a man whose father was killed by a British soldier, the first British soldier that they'd welcomed into their home since. Being with, being in the same room, making friendships, because relationships compromise. It's hard to demonize people you know. Fitzroy, I don't mean as a community. I mean every individual of us that is here this morning and those who aren't. Let us make sure that we're not for peace. God was not just for us. He was with us. Let us be with people in peacemaking. Let's find the people we need to meet across the boundaries. Whatever those boundaries are, and there are more boundaries now than there were when Ken and Jerry started leading the Clonard Fitzroy Fellowship. Let us do it. Why? Because it's in the Fitzroy DNA? Maybe. But more importantly, because it's the model of the gospel. It's the call of the gospel. And it's the very heart of a merciful God. Yes, thank you, Fitzroy. But let's not stop now because there is a lot of work still to be done. Let's pray. Lord, in the beginning, 
relationships were broken. Broken with you. Broken with each other. Broken with creation. And we live in a fallen, broken, tense world at war. We thank you that that moment when the veil was torn in two, when Jesus cried, it is finished, when he burst through the tomb two days later, that we could restore relationships again, begin to put relationships back together. We thank you for the model that you give us in Jesus. We thank you for the call of the gospel to be lovers of enemy, to do good, to pray, to bless the other. And we thank you that we do it not because you've asked us to do something you wouldn't do, but because it's in the heart of a merciful, gracious God. Lord, help us to have the courage this week to put away all our excuses, all our arguments, and just obey the scriptures. Help us to be peacemakers as you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.